0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studio. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. This is where Chicago goes to talk Bears. Sports Radio 670 The Score. Chicago's home for Bears fans. WSCR in HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The The we're back with more Gabe Ramirez and Anthony Heron at the Miller Light Top Draft Show. Live at Emil's Tavern on Center, 161 Center Street in Grays Lake. Brought to you by Miller Light. It's Miller Time on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Always live on the free Odyssey app. <laughs>
1: Look at this. That's why we have great producers at the store. Sean, Sean Sears holding us down. All right. It is time for My Guy. It's a game we're playing here on 670. The scores Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Herron. And the game is simple. We're going to give you a couple of clues about a Chicago athlete. You just got to tell you who is My Guy. I give love My Guy. There we go. Give me some of that uh, game music there, Sean. Give me something that we can really give us some
2: of Ah, Nice. Yeah. All
3: right.
1: So, My Guy, tell so, us your name. Okay, show Jose, Jose where are you from? Deerfield. Jose from Deerfield is my guy. All right, come here. A little bit closer. It's okay. Don't worry. All right, so the guy you're trying to figure out, he plays left field for the Chicago White Sox. He wears number 74. Who is my guy? Jamor Jimenez. Let's go. That didn't take Hino long. at Jimenez. All. That affin- is my guy. Exactly. I
2: like that. I don't even know he's wearing a cubs hat. Yeah. It's a real I Chicago no, sports fan over no here. No hesitation there. Press is on, Aaron. Yeah, I know. Come over here with your bulls hat on, Aaron. Where's Aaron from? Gray's Lake. Hey. Alright, right here up the street, Gray's Lake. The like of that beverage in your hand, that means you can walk home. That's a good thing. Um, all right, Aaron, so yes, yeah, cheers. So, my guy is a flamethrower on the south side of the city who wears jersey number 84. I'm a Cubs fan, I don't know it. Don't know it. Can you name
1: a White
2: Sox pitcher who might be described as a flamethrower?
1: Potential Cy Young award winner. Cease. There, there you go. go, Dylan Cease.
2: Boo. That's right. Oh. Yeah. Back Took over a here. Minute. Took him a minute. Tied up at you see one. You beverage
1: in over here. I know. Well, he has the Bulls hat on, so he might know this answer. Who is my guy, Jose from Deerfield? He plays for the Chicago Bulls. He wears number seven. He comes off the bench. His name is? Gordon Dragic. My guy, Goran Dragic. Let's go. All right. right. Got some pressure on you. Here we go. And I'm not helping
2: you this time, just so you know. (laughs) All right. All right. Let's go to Soldier Field. My guy is a quarterback (laughs) 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 who wears Numero uno. Uh, Justin
1: Fields? That's uh, right, Aaron. What not, are you doing, Dragon? not fair. OK, OK. I got All right, so we need a tiebreaker. Got it. We got two guys over to make over sure he here. tied it up. So we got a tiebreaker. And here's our question. This is not a guy. This is a statistic. Whoever gets closest wins the coveted prize that we have that we don't even know what it is. Highly but you co- win it, though. Highly, highly, highly coveted. coveted prize. All right, speaking of Justin Fields, a lot of people, obviously, we know he can do his thing with his legs. They're worried about the passing, you know, how well he's doing. How many pass attempts does Justin Fields have on the season?
3: 200.
1: 200. Adam, what say you over there?
3: 170.
1: The correct answer. Who do you think is closer? Do you think it's Jose or do you think it's Adam?
2: 200 or 170.
1: The correct answer, 207 pass Whoa! attempts, at Justin Fields. Almost My God. Very impressive. I all right love my right guys. over
2: there. All right, Aaron. I,
1: you I leave. Appreciate that. With nothing. With nothing. Maybe we'll get you a miller light over there. that's us take care of you right over there <laughs> on the other side. It's my guy. my guy. My guy. Right here on 670. The score. Skate Ramirez. My guy, Andy, Andy Reed. <laughs> <laughs> he pulled up all the my guy clips. You guys having a good time out there? Y'all feeling good out there with the Miller Light? emails in Gray's Lake. That's right. Uh we are hanging out, man. So I was telling you, you know, I got my father-in-law here.
2: I have noticed that. So Gray's yes. Lake people are uh-huh. like, "Oh, you,
1: oh, you probably never get out to Gray's Lake. Get out to Gray's Lake all the time. Come all here, time. down here every week. Like a local, so he can uh, take care of the kids. So we can why go on a fit date." Fit so well there. over I know, here. I that's why. Yeah. I try to tell him, get out the house, come hang out, pops. Let's go, let's go have a Miller Light. imagine
2: look very comfortable here too. Yeah, I'm glad you showed up uh, uh-huh. right here. Shout out it to the time, there.
1: no doubt. Um, but you know, we mentioned some guys here in the city, Aunt, right. and and you know, obviously Justin Fields is that guy right now in the city of Chicago? I mean, you could point to some other sports, you know, like a Zach Levine, a DeMar DeRozan, you know, in basketball, obviously. We mentioned Dylan C, a Cy Young candidate there. But who would you say is that
2: top tier guy? Would you say it's, it is Justin Fields in the city of Chicago? I think certainly at the moment, that's that's what it is. And it's, it, you know, there's very little in the city of Chicago, very little in the sports world that, that moves the meter like the Bears, especially when there's excitement around the Bears. Like there, there's a reason, even in seasons where there may not be big expectations for the Bears from a win-loss perspective, while you still see them on national TV. You know, like, nobody really thought the Bears were going to be a playoff team this season or anything, but we've already seen them on Monday night football and Sunday night football and Thursday night football. You know, Because folks know there there's usually interest, and then especially now that we're getting to this stretch of the season where you have one of the most one of the most talked about playmakers in the sports world as the Bears quarterback, then that, that meter of expectation, that meter of interest just continues to ascend. It's why, you know, frankly, it's why ratings are so good on Bears yeah. Post Game Live right now, man. Over <laughs> on 32, folks are tuned People in. recognize us. Trying to see that spot where they know they're gonna get live Justin Fields after the Bears game ends. They're gonna get live Matt Eberflus hearing them break things down. And just think, what if they do? Wait, wait, it's this season or next season, start to actually compile some wins here and for right now and i'd be curious like you and i have kind of talked about the periphery of it a little bit but curious for for your take on and maybe this would be a, a straw poll we can do in the room here later as well just how concerned because one thing to think all right it's nice to see them execute late in game but just from a winning games perspective how, how big a concern do you have about that at the moment just to see them not only it's nice to see justin fields emerging but Do you have much concern yet for actually just seeing the Bears truly win games?
1: I think I'm more concerned about what losing does to the locker room. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, when you're talking about Coach Iberflues, I feel like I would run through a wall for him. Just the way he speaks, he seems to have everything you'd want from a head coach in the National Football League. But I feel like that only goes so far if you're losing games. How can you lose, you know, seven out of eight, eight out of ten, and really still try to coach these guys up that are not necessarily sure that they're going to be on this roster next year, right? Okay. A lot, like uh, we were talking to Clay Harbor earlier, a lot of these people are auditioning for the team in the upcoming future, but if you're losing games, you know, you, are you, not that he's going to lose the locker room, but I'm sure guys care a little less But when you win, when you're able to sprinkle in some victories, you can kind of get that rah-rah spirit going. See, guys, I told you, championship habits, winning habits equates to victories, and it'd be be good if you beat the Lions, and then losing to the Atlanta Falcons isn't as bad. And then you go face the Jets, and you might feel like you have a chance still, right? But if you lose to the Lions, you lose to the Falcons, where is your heart at, where is your mind at when you're going up against the Jets, or for that matter, Aaron Rodgers the week after that, the yeah. Eagles and Jalen Hurts, uh, J- Josh Allen after that with the Buffalo Bills. You want your guys up for All those All these games.
2: quarterbacks you're going to refer to as trash at some point oh, when right. the Bears are getting ready to face Only
1: them. when they're facing the Chicago <laughs> Bears like I do week in and week out. But to me, that's the part where I really struggle with when it comes to these victories. And and and, and Justin Fields, too, because one thing that I really appreciate you said I'd love for you to speak on is, is you're not concerned – whereas I would be because I don't know Justin Fields as well. But, you know, you calling him in the Big Ten, having seen him for his college career and calling him in, in, in a lot of those, you talked about his alpha mentality. and how you, you probably feel like or you feel that he probably won't waver much in terms of thinking uh, believability and wondering whether or not his team can win the game.
2: Yeah, I, I certainly don't think Justin Fields is going to be wavering anytime soon. And it, it's part of why, you know, I've kind of described the approach the Bears are taking with the – The development of the quarterback with the development of this roster with the the approach to kind of building this team they're taking a very a very patient a very methodical approach you know the the volume of passes that folks have been talking about wanting to see justin fields throw the football more frequently in game the amount of snaps that that chase claypool has has gotten through a couple of games that was that's been such a big topic of discussion this week, just folks wanting to know, well, why if he got 21 snaps in the first game, then why is that down in the second game? Whatever the number was, 26 snaps in the first game, why is that down to 19 in the second game? Whatever the number ended up being, but it seems to me that at, at every turn, from Ryan Poles to Matt Eberflus, that that they're doing things in a very patient way. They're not trying to they're not trying to force feed players into positions that they're not showing they're prepared for yet. They're not trying to force-feed scheme into scenarios that don't necessarily suit this squad. The, the Bears right now, especially the coaches who are dealing with these players day in and day out, they're coaching and they're scheming to win the games, while at the same time, Ryan Poles at the top of the heap there has not put a roster together that's, that's resourced into where, where they're going to win at a high level. But it seems to me the coaches are still mad at things and saying that if Justin Fields throws the ball 44 times, 45 times, 50 times, Our offensive line isn't suited for some volume passing attack right now. Our quarterback isn't necessarily suited for some volume passing attack right now. Our receiver core isn't suited for some volume passing attack at the moment, but we're scoring points, we're moving the ball, we're getting pieces that will likely be here moving forward, accustomed to the system in place, and then putting ourselves in a position to build off of that steadily, methodically. There's seven games left in this regular season, and it's Definitely looks like Justin Fields is going to be here for multiple years beyond this, who knows? Maybe the next decade beyond that, but at least a couple of more years as they watch him continue to develop. So I don't I don't yet need to watch Justin Fields throw it 44, 45 times. I don't need to see him do that before the end of this season. Would it be interesting, would it be intriguing, would it be fun? Sure, and I think there's a chance. It will likely happen at some point before the end of the season where we see 30 plus pass attempts, but part of that will be on Justin Fields. Because there's 30-something pass attempts being called, pass plays being called in-game. Some of those are turning into scrambles. Some of those are ending in sacks. So I do think the approach that's being taken by the Bears' offensive play caller, it suits the quarterback in his development, the offensive line, the receiver core in their development. And we're going to get to watch a lot of this magnificent young playmaker as a quarterback here in the city of Chicago. And as we do, what they ask of him as a passer Will continue to evolve they're just taking what i what i evaluate as a very patient and methodical approach in how much they're asking of a passing attack that right now just isn't isn't fully developed yet
1: yeah and as we see it, it's equating to some some heart heartfelt losses how do you think justin fields is handling losses this year compared to last i feel like it might have affected him a little more last year just because of how things were operating and the style
2: in which they were losing where this year you're still seeing some growth. How how do you feel like he's handling the two? I think that, you know, like I referenced after the Miami game, I think that was such, the Miami game was such a supernova performance for Justin Fields, the three touchdown passes, the 178 rushing yards, the historic sort of element of that being NFC Offensive Player of the Week in a loss. I think all that, you know, it did, it, it was a loss that still had some luster to it. But there have been certain individual games, like that Washington Commanders game, a game that the Bears left the field feeling like they should have won. Done
1: more in the red zone. And
2: and there were opportunities to make plays that weren't made, some by Justin Fields, some by playmakers around him, where they outplayed Washington and lost that game. Detroit in a very similar category. They outplayed the Detroit Lions, and lost that game and it, it felt like a game not not necessarily a game that the Detroit Lions won It felt like a game the Bears lost and so I think that's even more crushing in those scenarios so I, I do think that his uh, we were we were coming up here. We we're talking about maturity and I just Justin Fields just he He showed up here in Chicago just as a as a formidable individual just as a very mature and and certain young man and so I, I think that losses bother him he, didn't come to the podium for almost an hour after the game or whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't anticipate that's going to be the case after every single loss. But
1: that'd be me. And I'll be so salty. Yeah, I'd every be like, time. Man, I really don't want to talk every to these time people today. Be the Chief Petty Officer you after know me. every loss. i would be like, two hours. <laughs> I'll be like, Prince, I'm not coming Just let him wait. I'm going to wait. Let <laughs> them wait. If they want to talk to you, they got to wait, because I'm not going to be here. But I think you're absolutely right. I think the biggest difference is this year, like you said, against the Lions, he says to himself, okay, I'm never throwing a pick six ever again. Right. Right. He knows. Now, that specifically, he can I think throw.
2: it was a, a, an interception in that scenario, like a screen pass that he definitely should have just thrown away. Right. I don't think he was saying this is the last. Pick six he'll ever throw. I think he was talking about the last pick six. I, I think he was saying that that is the the last time in that scenario that comes up. Like when I have a screen pass okay. that I obviously should have just dirted okay. and I didn't dirt it. I, I mean, maybe maybe somebody yeah. asked him. If I don't. That's I what I wanted. That's what hurt in my head as a bear. Well, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and maybe it will be. Hopefully, it's the last pick six right. he ever throws. I, but my, I took it more as that scenario. I know specifically the mistake I made there, and I'm not going to repeat. That obvious mistake of forcing the ball on the screen pass that had been sniffed out. Right,
1: because regardless of the direction, you love what he's saying, right? Ultimately, which is he has faith in himself. He knows that there's approval. Whereas last year, I felt like it was like, yeah, team sucks. (laughs) We suck. (laughs) I suck. I mean, just that's what it is. You know, like, Uh, and this year it's like, no, I can't wait to get out there next Sunday. And that's the the beauty of Justin Fields. There was
2: so much for him still to figure out last year. There's so much for him to still figure out from this point this year. But you can see him getting it. We're, we are in the early stages of him getting it, and you—you you and I were talking about a little something last week. I, I want to make sure the folks at emails uh, at, at emails get a chance to hear it too. I know we got some college football playoff conversation we're going to get to in a moment. Maybe when we come back on the at the bottom of the show, here because the the ceiling for Justin Fields, I think folks folks don't necessarily appreciate what the ceiling. For this quarterback can be based off of what they're seeing right now because he's being what the way we're seeing him execute the quarterback position is being categorized in a certain way that fits the way he's playing but it's not the way he's always mm. played the position i want to make sure that that i illuminate that for people a little bit later yeah we'll show. get a
1: chance to discuss that a little bit later can't get enough justin field to talk everybody oh, wants yeah. to hear about the starting quarterback of the chicago bears but mm. Anthony drink it, in. <laughs> it always goes down smooth uh, as Anthony Harry was mentioning, we do get the opportunity to talk some college football next. Bill Bender will join us here on 670 to score. We'll get to get his take on who the new top four are and who are some surprises that he's seen in the college football landscape. We'll do that on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Harry, broadcasting live from emails. emails. Yeah, in Grays Lake for the Miller Lite Top Jaff Show. We'll be back after this.
0: We're back with more Gabe Ramirez and Anthony Heron at the Miller Light Top Draft Show, live at Emil's Tavern on Center, 161 Center Street in Grays Lake. Brought to you by Miller Light. It's Miller Time on Sports Radio 670, The Score. Always live on the free Odyssey app.
1: We are live here at Emil's Tavern on Center in Grays Lake. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron. And you know, Ant, every once in a while... You know, people do remember that you worked on B96. It's just, there we go. It's just a little love. Yeah, you know man. Saying? You spent a lot of time there, and you got to, you know, people are shocked. They're like, oh, you, you know sports, and you're like, well, yeah, I grew up in Chicago. You, you like just, stuff other than music? I like the Bears. I like the Bulls. I like uh, the White Sox. Right. Um, But but it is fun to be able to talk um, Chicago sports. But it, but you know what? Something else that I picked up on this year is talking about college football. The Beck QL show. Uh, Beck QL, you in the action. Just really been following. Have a, a newfound appreciation for college football i always used to be overwhelmed with the amount of players the amount of teams i felt like you know i just waited for them to get the call up to the big leagues but now that i'm watching college football it is as exciting if not more exciting than the nfl where the nfl a little more predictable a little bit more scoring college football you really just don't know what to expect week in week and week out despite the fact there are teams coming from power five conferences i mean just the games in them in itself it really does i mean you really should if you're not watching college football we should probably take a Saturday <laughs> or two and enjoy. And I'm not just talking about the gambling stuff. I'm right, of course else
2: Of like, course not. Yeah, funny. but it, it was fun driving up here and, and getting to, uh, to hear you kind of describe your enhanced, your yeah. renewed appreciation for college football. So let's go out to the Circle Resort Casino in Las Vegas Hotline, home of the world's largest sports book as the college football playoff rankings for this week. I think it's the third week of the rankings now, and they have finally been revealed, been distributed in in between a couple of basketball games on ESPN. We now know the new college football playoff top 25. Let's get my guy Bill Bender on the line here. He's on Twitter, at BillBender92. He is a national college football writer for the Sporting News. Bill, what's happening, man?
3: I think I need a Miller Lite top draft waiting for those rankings yeah. to come out after the basketball game. How are you guys doing?
2: <laughs> Outstanding, man. Outstanding. Really appreciate you taking the time to join us. It's a, a little later in the evening than the previous college football playoff rankings have come out because of the coverage schedule with the hoop season starting up here. So give us a, a little bit of a, an overall view of, of what came out just a few minutes ago. Any surprises in the top 25 and certainly the most interesting part towards the top?
3: Not none. I think the top none. six is pretty top seven fine, right? I think uh, I don't have any major issues with any of that. Obviously, Ohio State and Michigan know what's in front of them before the unbeaten teams. I mean, they really like LSU and Crazy part, Anthony, is uh, when the SEC championship, they'll be the first two-loss team to make the playoff. I'm starting to accept that reality. I don't think they'll do it, but I do think that the availability is there for BK and uh, the Tigers.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think when you're looking at that that Brian Kelly-led team and and who they faced this year, they they've, they've kind of had a roller coaster year, where in the very first game of the season, you not you weren't necessarily sure what you were, were going to get from uh, LSU. But they've settled in the quarterback play has been well uh how do you think they will fare against georgia in that title game assuming everything holds true
3: i mean georgia i told a buddy this weekend georgia's got a nfl team uh backup up nfl quarterback essentially and stetson bennett they are solid at every position they've got two monsters at tight end uh two guys that are going to be playing on sunday and brock bowers and darnell washington the defense is good. Um, box. I, I think they're the best team in the country, and I don't think they're going to be losing to LSU anyway.
2: And so with that in mind, then, you feel like if LSU were to win the SEC, then they could be a two-loss team to make the college football playoff. Right now in the Big Ten, Ohio State coming in at number two in the college football playoff rankings, Michigan coming in at number three. So it's a couple of Big Ten teams that seem to be on a collision course <laughs> As potentially undefeated squads closing out the regular season Ohio State has Maryland this week and Michigan has Illinois this week so you may see undefeated teams in the top three face each other to close out the regular season a week or so from now so I'm wondering Bill does the Big Ten then in your estimation have perhaps an even better chance than the SEC to maybe get two teams in the playoff?
3: Both teams have a, both conferences have a great chance. And the SEC is a little easier with Tennessee sitting there at five. But if Michigan play a classic like 2006, 2016, where Ohio State wins a close one and it's one of those games that we're all talking about for years. I mean, I know people that still talk about those two games. Then, yeah, I think both could get into the playoff. And great for the Big Ten. Um it's going to be a really close game when they hook up in Columbus next
1: week. I, You know, it's funny when you talk, when you say that, Bill. Of course, we're talking to Bill Bender from the Sporting News right here on 670 The score. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron at the Miller Lite Top Draft Show. Bill, you know, obviously, we're in the Midwest. We've got a ton of Michigan fans just, you know, roaming around the streets of Chicago, Ohio <laughs> State fans as well. And so I was at a bar in downtown. I was at Theory, and I was sitting next to two Michigan fans and they were just like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to face Ohio State. And me, I just, like a little birdie, I chirped in. I was like, why? <laughs> They're going to crush you. They're going to crush your soul. Bill, do you agree with that? Like, do you feel like there's no chance, or not no chance, but do you feel strongly about Ohio State beating Michigan?
3: Well, you guys are in a tavern, so I tell people this all the time. If you want to win uh, some uh, some trivia, ask them, you know, who you knew who the last Michigan quarterback to win at the shoe was? You'd have to go all the way back to 2000 and a guy named Drew Henson. Hmm. Oh. That's the last Michigan quarterback to win there. So that's the opportunity for J.J. McCarthy. Obviously, I do think this is Mich- Michigan's best equipped team to go in there and do it because they know who they are. They are boring to watch. No question about that. But I don't think anything was bored in that locker room after they beat nebraska 34 to 3 they're a really good football team they do it the old school way
2: who's a team that right now from a rankings perspective is in the mix but but you know could see some real jeopardy like tcu undefeated at 10 and 0 does tcu truly just control their own destiny is there any kind of jeopardy that could be there even if they go on to win the big 12.
3: They've, all they got to do is win out. If they lose, they're probably out. I think the most interesting team on the board right now to me is USC. Mm-hmm. They're ranked number seven. They uh, If they win out, I think they're in.
1: If you one think of those, uh, I think they're in. That's big. I mean, because USC, I mean, they've had a topsy to turvy year as well. I mean, you know, losing on the road to Washington and, and, and you know, seeing what, what they've done. It seems like, like, the coaches got them together.
2: Right. Lincoln Raleigh's got it rolling in. They've got ranked games remaining in front of them right now. So that, that could give USC a pretty nice resume boost moving forward. So then who do you see USC in that scenario that you lay out, Bill? If they went out, who do you see them leapfrogging? Is it whoever loses between Ohio State and Michigan?
3: Yeah, well, let's play it out. So let's say I uh, said Georgia's going to win out. Uh, let's say Ohio State beats Michigan. And let's say TCU wins out. There's three playoff teams. So the committee would sit there at the end of the road and say, All right, are we taking a one-loss Michigan, are we taking a one-loss Tennessee, or are we taking a one-loss USC that just beat UCLA, Notre Dame, and Oregon or Utah in the Pac-12 championship game, and they have a conference championship, they have a Heisen Trophy caliber quarterback, and they have those USC helmets. So, I mean, they have a <laughs> brand, so right? And, and I think all of those things could fall into place if the Trojan – and we've seen Lincoln Riley do this at Oklahoma. What's the difference? It's just a different helmet.
2: All right, before we uh, be, let you ride, Bill, I know it's late on the East Coast where you're at here, but we've got to talk a little bit of Heisman as there's just a couple of weeks remaining in the regular season. How do you see the Heisman Trophy conversation taking shape?
3: I think there are five guys. I think C.J. Stroud can really put his signature on it. You know, he has three, tu- three games with five or more touchdowns. I think it just goes. Just this season. <laughs> yeah, just this season. I mean, he's unbelievable. And honestly, the best player on Ohio State's team is probably Marvin Harrison Jr., who probably yeah. could play in the NFL right now. <laughs> I mean, he's unbelievable. So, and then Hendon Hooker, Blake Corum, Caleb Williams, and Drake May, man, down at North Carolina, they shouldn't be ranked as low as they are. He's amazing. He's got a chance to. Win an ACC title and he puts up ridiculous numbers. Those are the five guys you're looking at. And if Stroud beats Michigan and has a huge game, it'd be hard to give it to anybody else.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny you say that, Bill. I mean, I've been really big on Drake May. I was literally just talking to Ant yeah, about him. Of like, you know, somebody that just week in and week out is just putting up numbers and and leading his team to victory is is that Drake May type? But you're right, man. I mean, CJ Stroud, if he, if he beats Michigan, you know, there was a point in, in the season, maybe like two weeks ago, where you thought to yourself, you know, could, um Alabama's quarterback. You know, if he if he won every single game and and you know won that Stetson Bennett. Yeah, I'm uh, not the Alabama quarterback, Bryce oh, Young. Oh, Bryce Young. Yeah, and we're, we're at the point where you're thinking to yourself, well, if they won out and they did win the SEC, like could he be in that in that running again? But obviously, you know, in the position that they're in. But I mean, it's gonna be a good one. I'm a huge fan of Hendon Hooker. I don't know, I, I, something about him. He has that wild wow factor for me, and I feel like you know he's gonna be a really good pro player. Um, of those five, who do you think is gonna have the best NFL career?
3: Caleb Williams. And notice how quick I said it. I, I love his game. He reminds me of Patrick Mahomes. He's a magician with the football. Um, if I'm a – I don't want to tell you who my favorite NFL team is because I know what, who I'm it's on the, the Bears. air with. But, uh, it's, the Bears, Bill. A, it's the Bears. If a certain NFC North team moves on from a certain very old quarterback, <laughs> I'd want him to replace him with Caleb Williams.
2: I like that like that. Yeah, could not agree more. That would be a that would make the the division that they're in right now even though they're paying that guy in Green Bay 50 hey, million hey, a year hey, for hey, the time being. Hey, but, hey, 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 hey. You know, we know division that's a, that's could be very a bad word. Very it's interesting. a bad word right
1: there Green Bay uh, on this radio station, right Yeah, I
2: mean it could be, man. Caleb Williams, he's going to be somewhere. He's going to be a high draft pick when he gets there. Bill outstanding stuff, man. Really appreciate you taking the time to join us to talk about this college football playoff ranking that just came hot off the presses. That's
3: great. Thanks so much. Have a great night. Absolutely, and
1: let's get let's get an opportunity to talk a little bit about that. I mean, he brings up some great stuff. You know, obviously he's holding true for some victories, teams winning out. I mean, when you're really looking at the top two teams, right? The assumption is that Ohio State wins out. You got Georgia, Ohio State. I mean, everybody from three to about nine, ten, even if you want to give Utah a little bit of love, they kind of fall into that same space because either yeah. any of those teams are playing each other. You wouldn't have a clear-cut favorite. I mean, obviously, TCU with a phenomenal game against Texas mm-hmm. over the weekend, seven-point underdogs, and still coming out on top, really looking ferocious out there. So, so again, you can't discredit TCU and what they've done. Tennessee, obviously, with hand Hooker, as you mentioned, LSU playing well, USC playing well, Alabama still being Alabama. Clemson, I know they've had some injuries as of late, but who stands out to you from, you know, 3 through 10 right there?
2: Right, when you get outside the the top ten, there's never been a team that's come from outside the top ten at this point in the rankings, now three rankings in, there's never been someone to come from outside the top ten and make that top four into the college football playoffs. So that that's the range that history has told us that the four teams are in at this point. And I, I do think that Bill's case about USC is a really, really intriguing one in that there's an opportunity. You know, we were talking about Chicago Bears players throughout much of the show tonight with a chance to prove something to hopefully be a part of this Bears future moving forward. Well, USC right now with, you know, just not a lot of wins that folks would view as impressive at the moment. The the ranked Utah team, they lost to them. Utah's the second ranked uh, Pac-12 team in the top 25 right now. But having UCLA, having ranked Notre Dame, and then whoever they face in the Pac-12 championship game will be ranked as well this is an opportunity for a three-game stretch for the trojans to finish up their regular season and as much as you know you would like to think that the college football playoff selection committee those 13 people in a room that maybe the the emblem on the side of the helmet shouldn't matter but they're human it does and and it seems like it certainly feels like history has told told us that that ends up mattering as well and so if if a hot usc team scoring a bunch of points with a potential heisman finalist at quarterback they finish with a stretch like that. It's hard to think the Trojans won't end up making the playoffs. Yeah,
1: because I mean, listen, you can't discredit their conference, right? I mean, we're talking about some of the teams in that in that uh, conference. I mean, Oregon could have wrote their ticket to the top four had yeah. they not lost last weekend against Washington. Right. But Washington, in itself, a really good team. It's a good I squad. Mean, good squad. So they're they you know I, I know. You know, you hear people say, "Well, the committee doesn't stay up late enough to watch those teams on the <laughs> West Coast," but they are some really good, high-powered teams out there. So again, I think you're you're absolutely right. USC with that resume in that particular conference, if they can win out, they're going to make themselves a, a tough case for themselves to get out there. But it's going to be fun to watch. These last no couple of weeks are going to be exciting, especially that like, e- even this weekend, Michigan, Illinois, <clears throat> Illinois coming off two tough losses. Yep, they're going to have a chip on their shoulder. They play you would say kind of like a similar style as Michigan where it's like, we're going to run the ball, Mm -hmm. we're going to play tight defense, and we're going to try to make this, you know, a close one so that the, 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 the outcome can be determined in the last couple of minutes. Michigan known for starting slow, you know, doing well in the second half. So that's going to be a good game. The Maryland game, they had a stinker last week. So they're going to try to bounce back. So the Big Ten is going to be something that's good to watch as are a lot of these other games that are going to be happening around the college football landscape. But we'll be keeping a close eye on that one as well. All right. From the college football scene back to the NFL, we get an opportunity, like Ann was mentioning earlier, to talk about Justin Fields. What does that ceiling look like on the Chicago Bears team? We'll discuss that on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, here at Emils on the
0: center. We're back with more Gabe Ramirez and Anthony Heron at the Miller Light Top Draft Show, live at Emils Tavern on center, 161 Center Street in Grays Lake.
4: Is you know, how the organization set up. You know, is it set up for success? And then who's going to be the quarterback? And that, that's those are two things you have to check off right away. You know, do you believe in the organization and the leadership? And that was a definite yes for me with the McCaskey family. And then you look at the quarterback with Justin Fields being here, and that was a green light all the way. You know, you watch the tape on him. You saw the electricity, his ability to you know throw the ball, his deep ball passing. That's what I've been saying that all along. I got that first when I watched him. From you know last year's tape, his college tape, I knew that that's a trait of his. And then his special athletic ability, you know, used the right way, can be a special, special player.
1: Of course, that's Coach Ibrulus talking about. You know, securing a position as head coach with the Chicago Bears, and what was enticing to him. And of course, he mentioned quarterback Justin Fields, and we'll get an opportunity to talk a little bit more about him and what his ceiling looks like, but want to give you guys a heads up as to where we'll be at next week. We're going to be together, right, Right, Ant? Hope so. Yeah, I think so. Uh So next week, Tuesday, we are going to be at Tavern on the Point, 6726 North Northwest Highway. Talking about my guys, two of my guys work there. I've, we've done a couple of uh, Middle Light Brewing Views over there, Ant, okay and they got a really nice setup over yeah, there. Yeah, Tavern on the Point. Like, right. if I were to move to the Burbs... Right over there, I feel like, you know, because that's right near, like, Edison Park area, ah, kind of okay. up, up over there. I got you. So, I think, you know, that's a good spot. So, yeah, if you guys want to hang out Ant and I next week, that's where we're going to be. I love I just, my
0: guys.
1: <laughs> drinking some of night over here. All right, but let's go back to this Justin Fields conversation, and
2: you know it's been dominating. I'm gonna set my uh my brownie Sunday aside then, so we can have. This I like how they
1: I like how they put like four spoons there, knowing damn well Anthony's gonna eat that. Yeah, all by I, I don't share
2: desserts. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I will. He share didn't even ask me a lot of things <laughs> before I share. A dessert. He's like, so you guys got some desserts here? All right. <laughs> my wife could be sitting right here. She will it's get still... one bite, maybe. Okay. One bite. You'll let her do that. Yeah. It does look good though. Is that like a soft serve on top Tasty. of a brownie? Tasty. Huh. With a cherry on top, by the way.
1: Right. Like I said, that's the, the best part about coming out here to the top draft. No All doubt. Right. Is Justin
2: Fields the cherry on top of this organization right now? He, he's headed in that direction. I, I was very bullish on Justin Fields when he came out of college, continue to be very bullish on him and his development. I think it's important for folks to, to realize what, what he has always been as a quarterback because we see... This this electrifying running ability, this playmaking that he's showing, that that goes beyond just the passing ability of a quarterback. And immediately, folks, you know, start asking like, is he like Lamar Jackson? Is he like Kyler Murray? That sort of thing. And he's got he's got those skills as we see. But throughout the entire time, Justin Fields has been a quarterback at the high school level, and at the collegiate level especially, he is not ever. Been a run-first quarterback. Any of you who you know we're in Chicago. We, there's there's a reason we only spent one segment talking about the college football playoff tonight. This is a pro sports town. <laughs> no, a lot of you didn't spend a lot of time walking watching Ohio State football. Just go back, pull up some Justin Fields highlights from Ohio State. You will certainly see some of the mobility that he possesses on display. Majority of Justin Fields highlights at Ohio State are him in the pocket, him on you know sprint action, but him throwing the ball, him passing the ball with volume. This is an extremely talented and gifted thrower of the football. He's refining and the Chicago Bears are assisting in him refining his passing abilities. And and you see that developing virtually every time you watch him step onto the field. And so I find it really exciting that Justin Fields has been able to to show the ability to improvise that he's shown here, because that's never really been who he is as a quarterback. Like it's, like Lamar Jackson, he's always been a guy who's who's gone off script and beyond the X's and O's and, and run around, made plays with his arm and his legs. That's always been who Kyler Murray has been as a quarterback. That's not where Justin Fields is most comfortable. We're watching him develop that as a professional. I'm not sure there's ever been a guy who, once he became a pro, suddenly started to, to get better at improvising and scrambling in the way we're watching Justin Fields. So I have no doubt that as he, and, and just having a, a, a pretty good understanding of how he is as a competitor and his acumen, his preparation that he goes through, that he will continue to develop those those aspects of being you know, a, a more competent, more consistent pocket passer. He doesn't need to be Tom Brady from within the pocket anyway. He, he won't be that. He doesn't have to be that. But we're seeing a guy who's basically who's figuring out the other aspects of the game that, that suit his God-given ability with his legs, but his arm has always been a special aspect of what he can be as a quarterback. So I, I have no doubt that that's going to continue to develop in his game.
1: Yeah, because you, you've heard Coach Eberflew's talk at length about – his, his accuracy downfield, the deep ball. You hear him talk a lot about that. But it was really cool to hear Iberflues talk about Justin Fields' speed because that is something that has impressed not only the fan base of the Chicago Bears, but also the coaching staff.
4: You just watch the tape. You know, you see him break down angles. You know, people have angles on them, and he just breaks them down. And that's what he right. has the ability to do that. His, his speed is as fast as it needs to be. You know, I always say that. So the guys that are super fast – he he has different gears than most people, and uh, he's able to pull away from guys as you saw in that sixty-seven yard run on that third and one, and he's also able to pull away guys you know from on the sideline. You know he can do that as well and get out of bounds. But uh, he's been doing a great job with that. We just got to continue to be smart when we do it.
1: And you, you and I talk a lot about, or you actually talk to me a lot about the mental side of you know the NFL and coming in from college. I look at Justin Fields and I think about his play, and it, it's like. You know, whereas everyone had a question about him earlier in the season. And then now it seems like people have already come to the definitive conclusion. Like, nope, he's that dude. Do you feel like Justin Fields has done that also in real time? Or do you feel like he's always felt that way? Like he
2: was that dude or he was going to be the dude? He's always felt like he was going to be the dude. And he's I think he's also been realistic of, of where his performances have been up to this point in his career, and that he recognizes the work he still needs to put in to get there. And it's a part of why he's so willing to put that work in, because he recognizes that he hasn't arrived. And like he said multiple times after games, both quality games and, and poor games this season, that this isn't the best he's ever going to play. And I think especially after some of the games where he struggled, where the offense has struggled, and he addresses the media, faces the media afterwards, and says with confidence, like in, in full throat, that this isn't the best he's ever going to be. He means that, he believes that, and he knows the abilities that he possesses. You know, there's a reason he he fell down, you know, down the, you know, outside the top 10 in right. the draft in the way that he did. And Justin Herbert fell in the draft a little bit because you do, when you're evaluating quarterbacks, you would like to see more nuance to his passing ability than what showed at Ohio State. But they had lethal receivers at Ohio State, and he had a lethal deep ball at Ohio State and lethal mobility. So they said, all right, let's hold the ball. If protection breaks down, extend the play and gun it downfield to Chris Olave and throw it deep to Garrett Wilson yeah. or throw a screen pass to Jackson Smith and Jigbug, and a bunch of big plays get made. And they, they made hay with that, and it worked for Ohio State in their offense. But... And Justin Herbert had a very similar situation. Not not the type of receiver talent at Oregon, but an offense that basically counted on the screen and the deep ball, the screen and the deep ball, and there wasn't a lot of nuance to the way that Herbert threw the football. So when you're evaluating a quarterback coming out of college and you're not seeing anticipatory throws, you're not seeing touch passes, you're not seeing nuance to the offense, then that that can affect the evaluation. Both guys fell lower than than their their traits, than their abilities would end up, you know, indicating that they should have And that was why I asked Trent Dilfer about that yesterday, just in comparing those two similar types of evaluations coming out of college, and and Herbert has picked it up quickly as a passer, Fields is continuing to grow as a passer and certainly showing that playmaking ability with his arm and his legs. So it it feels like, man, this is a really exciting time to be a Bears fan and to to be hopeful about what this quarterback position with Justin Fields at the helm can end up meaning for the Bears moving forward. Yeah, because I mean,
0: mean, is that really
4: a question? (laughs)
1: <laughs> when, yeah true, you're right sean uh the, thinking about you know justin fields and where he's at i mean obviously you know he has the confidence of the bear fan base and i think for me what i'm looking for next is him having the ability to make the guys around him better and i think we're going to be able to see that with cole commit byron pringle chase claypool you know we know what you can do justin we know how good you are but now can you lift up the other guys around you to make them better so that that way the team can be better as a whole.
2: And I think Cole Komet's a great example of a guy who who has connected well with Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney has connected well with Justin Fields. Not just the, the connection quarterback passing the ball to pass catcher, but connecting it as people and the respect, yeah. the deference that, that they both show towards Justin Fields. And, you know, he's, you know, I, I was hopeful about the Bears maybe developing Mitchell Trubisky in his time here. As soon as they drafted him, I said, that's a reach. I don't know why they're doing that. It's just the latest kind of overdrafted player for Ryan Pace, but put him in the right situation and maybe there's something to mold there. But Mitchell Trubisky, as soon as the first time you watch him address the media throughout his time in Chicago, never seemed like a real formidable individual, like a guy with real agency. From day one, Justin Fields, like, When he was in college and back in 2020, his second year at Ohio State, when the world shut down and college football was maybe gonna go away because of COVID, the dude at whatever he was, like 19, 20 years old, went on Good Morning America and did an interview, like a very nuanced interview talking about COVID, the desire that himself and other Big Ten athletes had to play the game in a safe manner, the hopes that he had to be able to complete that season with the Buckeyes, but doing so with the trust that he would put in the Big Ten Conference and in medical officials to make the proper decision. Like, it was just that type of, to command that stage. It doesn't necessarily, that's not what, you know, a main ingredient that makes him a great quarterback, but just that stage, to, to go on one of the biggest shows in television in the midst of the onset of a global pandemic and just talk about in a very adult and nuanced way about the hopes to play the game and do so in a safe manner when nobody knew what was happening? He didn't do it in a way like just some immature kid who felt like someone no. had taken his ball and gone home. He did it in a very mature and adult way because he is a very mature young adult. And I think that aspect as much as anything, the mental and emotional aspect of who he is as a person with those God-given physical abilities that he has, sky's the limit.
1: Very fortunate to have a guy like Justin Fields playing for the Chicago Bears, not only because of his talents, but just who he is as an individual. All right. We are about to get up out of here. I want to thank our guests for today, Clay Harbor, Chris D'Amino, and Bill Bender for hanging out with us. I want to thank our engineer on site, Rich Wyatt, for holding us down. You know he's one of my favorite people in the entire world. Shout out to the SCORE promo team, doing a fantastic really. job. I'll co-sign this. Over there. <laughs> you want to thank Sean Sears for doing his job back at the studio and holding us down. All right. Next week, again, Tavern on the Point, six seven fifty six North Northwest Highway. Make sure you guys came coming out with us. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Harris saying goodbye at Emil's Tavern on Center for the Miller Lite Top Draft Show.
2: Thank
0: you. Thanks for listening to the Miller Lite Top Draft Show live from Emil's Tavern on Center, one sixty one Center Street in Gray's Lake. Brought to you by Miller Lite. It's Miller time.